welcome back to Divorced and Done. I'm Rob Woodward, joined by Darren Schmidt. We're family lawyers helping you navigate the six divorced and done steps to move through your divorce quickly and efficiently without bankrupting yourself emotionally or financially. Everything we talk about in this podcast is for informational purposes, but it is not legal advice or legal information of any kind. Darren Schmidt, we're recording on a Friday, but we're rolling into Saturday. How are you doing? Rob, what's up? What are we doing? What's happening? It is sunny. It is fantastic. You and I have been away for a moment. Apologies to everybody who has been looking for us, and we've been absent the last two weeks. Uh, You and I were both totally consumed uh, in our day jobs, helping folks get divorced, which is what we should be doing. But we, of course, have not forgotten about our podcast or forgotten about our listeners. And we have some interesting things to talk about this week. We have three more questions we'd like to address. So let's roll into them. Okay, um, we have questions in our inbox. You can send them to us, lawyers talking about divorce at gmail.com or by voice message to our thought line, speakpipe.com slash divorced and done. You can find the links to both of those in the show notes. Don't be shy. Step up. Ask your question. We keep you anonymous. We won't reveal you on the podcast. We've gotten tons of excellent questions over the last number of months. So let's roll into question one this week. Listener says, hey, Darren, follow you on TikTok. Recently started listening to your podcast. Love the content. Very cool. Thank you so much. I have a few questions that might be useful to others going through a divorce and dealing with the expense of sharing of kids. Okay. So not just a question for the listener, but Thinking more broadly about other people, how kind. I live in Ontario. I'm wondering about car insurance for the children of the marriage. Is this a Section 7 expense and therefore should be paid for by both parents, proportional to income? Any information on this would be great. Second question is about children that attend post-secondary and live away from home. The child has a diagnosed learning disability, so cannot maintain part-time work and go to post-secondary full-time. Does the support payor have a claim to reduce or terminate child support in the situation? Thank you for considering the above questions for your podcast. No problem. Okay, Rob, a couple things. Um, I don't know how many kids there are, but one of the children at least is driving a car. And when you drive a car, you have to take out car insurance, as we all know. I don't know about you. My car insurance has gone up the last few years, particularly in BC because of all the... um, insurable loss we've had in this province from all sorts of stuff, but I assume that's universal everywhere. Insurance goes up for everything. Anyway, one of the children is driving a car and car insurance is being paid. Uh, The listener asks, is this a Section 7 expense? So why don't you talk a little bit about Section 7 expenses and whether you think this is a Section 7 expense or not? In my mind, reading this question holistically... Uh, my view of car insurance, yeah, it's necessary. Theoretically, your children would need it in Alberta. You can start driving unassisted at 16 uh, and get your full driver's license, I believe, at 18, uh, or may even be able to do it slightly before then. Uh, Section 7 expenses are those necessities for children for things like braces, things like extracurriculars. Yes, Section 7's Uh, are necessities. Car insurance, though, in my mind, your children are likely really close to 18, if not 18, absolutely. They're the ones choosing to drive. 
Uh, I'd be of the view car insurance is not a Section 7 expense. I've never actually dealt with that directly. But unless the parties agree on it, litigating around it, I don't see that as eligible. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think that would be a stretch. I just did some some work on a file on what is a Section 7 expense and what isn't. So I had to specifically turn my mind to this and I uh, was looking at some case law. So this just came off the top of my mind from my work, but uh, there's a case out of BC. Um, I'm just finding the citation here because I'm looking at it. Uh, Anyone interested can go look up 2014 BCSC 824 in uh, Canley or wherever you get your cases. And if you're so inclined, you can read this case. Uh, The justice here in BC from this 2014 decision sort of sets out somewhat clearly what this justice thinks a Section 7 expense is or is not. Uh, Justice says at paragraph 53, there is no straightforward definition for extraordinary, although the uh, language in the guidelines provides some guidance. It requires a sort of proportionality inquiry, looking at the nature of the activities, the special needs or talents of the child, the overall cost of the activities, and any other similar relevant factors. Because tests are fact-specific, I cannot definitively say what types of expenses qualify in every case, but I can say what does not qualify as special or extraordinary. These things include expenses such as entertainment, pets, vacation, school fees, school supplies, children's allowances, meals outside the home, personal grooming and clothing are all not Section 7 expenses. Secondly, a home computer or other similar technologies do not qualify as extraordinary, as these are common items found in most homes. Also, recreational sports and other similar activities like dance lessons, community sports leagues, ski trips, etc. are generally considered ordinary. The question is whether that participation goes beyond that of the average child. Um, Then the justice goes on to some specifics for the uh, questions in this case, but Although the justice doesn't say insurance is not a Section 7 expense for a vehicle, I think it's an ordinary expense one incurs in their everyday life. Table amount of child support would probably cover it, if anything. And driving is really a privilege. That's the child's privilege to drive. Uh, Their insurance on their vehicle would presumptively fall to them to pay. So all told, I don't think it's a Section 7 expense. I think it's almost akin to cell phone bills. And we haven't, I haven't really dealt with this. We've seen it, I think, questions a couple times. Uh, Who's going to pay the cell phone bill? Child has a cell phone. How are we dividing that? It's an ordinary expense that's part of, really should be covered by general child support. I think the problem, not to go off on this tangent, but with cell phone bills, then if one parent's paying for it, the fight may be, well, you can't take the phone with you when you go to mom's house because I pay for it when I'm at, uh, when you're at my house, you get your own phone when you're at mom's house. And we had that question, I think a couple months ago, where yeah. someone was talking about privacy and cell phones. And It's more just the notion of which parent is paying for this. Can we both be reasonable? Can we agree to split the cell phone bill? Or if we're not splitting the cell phone bill, let the child travel with one phone so they don't have to have two cell phones like a drug dealer paid for by both parents. (laughs) Some burner phones. Anyway. This, uh, this, well, back to this case I cited. uh, At paragraph 56, the justice says, quote, 
the cost of a child's cell phone does not fit into the categories listed Perfect. under Section 7. And also, it looks like the, the applicant wanted the child's Xbox membership as a Section 7. It says, and nothing about an Xbox membership strikes me as extraordinary. So there you go. When's the last time you played an Xbox, Rob? Uh, not, I, I think not since Xbox is now a subscription service when you used to just get the game and you, and it wasn't an Xbox, it was a Nintendo and you'd put the game in the Nintendo and just play the Nintendo. Uh, but yeah, everything's a subscription service now. Um, who's going to pay for we what? Played, yeah, we played, we uh, played, Nintendo, you and I once, I remember you had Did a we, Nintendo we, at your house. You play, Oh, we played GameCube together. GameCube, that was it. Do you it. remember? Yes. Yeah, because I, I have the GameCube from my childhood at my house. Do you, oh man, I, I don't want to go down this path, but uh, Simpsons Hit and Run, circa 2003, greatest, greatest game ever. Uh, for anyone that's thinking about that, go get your Simpsons Hit and Run. Man, that's multiplayer, single player. You drive around in a car and you hit stuff. It's awesome. But that's not Section 7's. Let's answer the second part of the question. Sure. Uh, second question is about children attending post-secondary. The child has a diagnosed learning disability, so can't maintain a part-time job and go to school full-time. Does the support payer have a claim to reduce or terminate child support in this situation? So uh, I'll start off here saying, I think the seminal case is still Farden versus Farden, F-A-R-D-E-N. You can Google that and you can get a synopsis of the case probably from a dozen or more blogs from different law firms or look it up on canly.org. Um, there's a bunch of factors under Farden about, you know, can the child work part-time? Uh, what are the ch child's grades when attending post-secondary? Because the question really here is, it should... A basic table amount of child support continue for a child attending post-secondary schooling. The starting point is under Farden, and since that case was decided, I think in '93, we've universally sort of found our courts saying, "Yeah, children that go to post-secondary school that live at home um, are still children of the marriage and eligible to receive child support through the recipient parent." But then the question turns to, well, how much child support? So once they're in post-secondary and living at home, is the table amount of child support still appropriate or is some lesser amount of child support appropriate uh, or any child support appropriate? And uh, one of the factors in that case is what sort of relationship does the child still have with the payer parent? An interesting wrinkle in that case was the child had elected to become estranged from the payer parent. That was one of the reasons the court terminated child support in that case, but also looked at what, what were the children doing or the child in that case doing in school? Were they working towards a degree that was vocational in, in, in the sense of they were going to find a job at some point from this, or were they just doing general studies? What were their grades like? Um, and, and all those sort of things. So, um, I think we would need to know a lot more about this to know, does the payor have a claim to reduce or terminate child support in this case? But um, presuming the child's attending post-secondary, the disability is uh, legitimate. I'm not saying it's not, but there's something to corroborate that, a diagnosed learning disability. Um, the payor may still be paying some child support, but I would suggest you could expect they don't want to pay the full amount of child support probably be a reduced amount. 
And uh, we need to know what the child's doing in school, how they're doing in school, what the child's relationship is with the payer parent and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, Rob, any thoughts on that? Uh, I support wholeheartedly what you just said. The only thing that I would suggest here, child's away at another institution and the test for child support for children over 18, assuming that this is the case here because the child's in post-secondary, either 17 or maybe really close to 18. The test once child's, or I guess in Ontario, age of majority is 19. Once a child is over the age of majority, that test for base child support is ability to withdraw from the charge of either parent. That child's gone somewhere else, not living at home. I wouldn't be looking this at this so much as a claim between the parents for who's paying the other child support, but whether that adult child is bringing an adult child support claim against either parent in addition to Section 7 contribution uh, for the post-secondary itself for a Section 3-based child support to bolster that client, uh, that child's um, receipt of child support directly because it is possible for children to bring claims against their parents for child support. I've never done it. I don't think you've ever done it. And the no. question there then more goes to what's either parent's relationship like with that child such that, as you said, Darren, is that child estranged from the parent? And I'd suggest if an adult child is suing another parent directly for support, they probably are ex- are estranged because you're yeah. suing your parents while you're in university. So all of that, a really roundabout way, I would suggest because the, w- without knowing more, just on really the thin facts we do have, because the child is attending post-secondary away from home, neither parent is entitled to that Section 3 support. Yeah. It's a question of that child. And I'm going to say... As the question here says, does the support payer have a claim to reduce or terminate child support? Yes. Yeah, I read the question and then I didn't remember that it said child lives away from home. Yeah, that to me. Adult adult children in post-secondary, they have to live at home in order to prove they're unable to withdraw from the parent's charge. So the kid's living away from home. I think that the child support ends. Yeah. I mean, the child could have a claim. They can prove it. But yeah. if you're suing your parents, you're probably estranged. So you necessarily fail on that first piece. Which that's not the listener's cross to bear. That would be the child's no. to go no. and do that. And hopefully none of that happens and things move along. Sorry, we, we went off down some weird Xbox tangential pieces there. Let's roll to the next question. Okay, listener says, hi, good day, good day to you. I would like to start divorce proceedings. We have no assets together and no children. There is a vehicle financed in her name that I drive. I want to take over the payments. I have a minor child that came to live with us when she assisted in sponsoring him to live here. I do not wish for her to pay me any child support. We have both discussed this and agree. What's the easiest and most cost-effective way to go about this? Do I need to list my son as well, uh, son as hers as well? I'm not certain what that means, but looks like there may be a adopted child or some sort of, I don't know what sponsoring child here means, but uh, he wants to have the child continue to live with him, it appears. Uh, Rob, what do you think on this? I'm looking at this from two angles. 
I think the listener, the way the question is structured, thinks this is quick, this is easy. It has the potential to be, and the only reason it has the potential to be is because you're both, what I read there, in a good, agreeable mood. Great. And if you can step one of the divorced and done steps, be separate and apart, and you're both in the mood to be agreeable, fantastic. This is going to be cheaper, and this is going to be a lot quicker. So divorced and done steps, you say there are no assets and there are no children. And then the question asks about an asset and some children. So I think it's really important that you look at the divorced and done steps. Number one is parenting. You have a child and you say when she assisted in sponsoring him to live here, but the child is living with you and you don't want any child support. So she's the sponsor of this child. Uh, Does that child have parents elsewhere? Are you aunt and uncle to this child from another country? Or are you both standing in the position of parents to this child? If so, uh, you're both that child's parents. Uh, Whether or not there's a parenting order in place or how that child came to be here, that's important from an immigration standpoint. Uh, And Darren and I are not immigration lawyers. So if you did sponsor that child to come here through an immigration process, your divorce may have an impact on that. And I would suggest go see an immigration lawyer. On the family law side, even if she wants to have no contact with that child anymore, fine. Uh, You're wishing to waive child support? Okay. Legally, we cannot waive child support in Canada, particularly if you've both stood in place of a parent to that child, regardless of what your actual legal relationship is to that child in terms of the sponsorship. So I would suggest... um, your wife may may be liable for child support because child support is the right of the child. It's not the right of the parent. So first you need to figure out what both of your relationship is to that child. Sounds like you're both parents, which means there's some child support pieces there. There's some parenting pieces there. You'll both need some specific advice on that, depending on what the immigration piece looks like. Uh, then dealing with the vehicle financed in her name that you drive If it's financed, that's not a lease, so it's something you own, but there's a bank loan on it, you want to take over the payments. If you can qualify for whatever amount is outstanding on that vehicle, that may be an easy thing to have the bank or whatever financial institution holds that charge on the car to change it to your name. That's less of a challenge, uh, but you still need to deal with, even though you say you have no assets, bank accounts, any savings you have, anything else. Um, to deal with that. And I would suggest by separation agreement, which would mean both of you need your own lawyer. But because you're dealing the most important piece here, minor child that came to live with you that either she or both of you sponsored, let's figure out that minor child status first, particularly as your child. Uh, And I think the first starting point for that is maybe even both of you, despite your separation, going back to the immigration lawyer that presumably assisted in helping that child come here, sort that piece out, sort out that child's status. Then from there, sounds like you want to be dad. From there, you deal with the parenting pieces uh, with your spouse. If both of you can come to some agreement, fantastic on those pieces, following the divorced and done steps. Then you can both get your own lawyers, work through all of our steps one to six, and finalize your divorce. Darren Schmidt, what do you think? Um, sounds like the listener just wants the uh, um, 
the 2020, 2020 dollar divorce. If only it were uh, so easy. <laughs> that's what everyone wants. Not just you, yeah. listener. Everyone, everyone wants that. But yeah, you have to disclose your assets. You say you have none. You have a bank account. You have a car. There's a loan on the car. You have stuff in your house. Um, there's CPP credits if you've uh, worked at all and uh, worked for some someone else. You've collected CPP credits. You have to consider all those things and package them into a separation agreement if you are going to agree. And you would need probably some legal advice to get you through crafting the separation agreement or at least getting independent legal advice from an agreement that's drafted by your ex. I mean, if on your one question, you want to you want to take over the car. I mean, who owns the car? If she owns the car and you're driving it. She has to transfer the car to you. Is she, are you buying it or is she just transferring it to you? Once you own it, then you can probably contact uh, the finance company and say, either I want to take over this loan or they say, we won't allow that. Go get your own loan to then buy out that loan. Anyway, this isn't a, a finance podcast, but um, it shouldn't be terribly difficult for you too if you're uh, of the mindset to say, let's make a deal. Someone needs to start by contacting someone who's qualified to provide legal advice and work you through the steps. So we wish you well. Okay, let's go to our last question this week. This looks like it's a somewhat involved question, so bear with me. Hello, Darren and Rob. Hello, scrolling TikTok, and I found you guys, and now I'm loving everything you put out, which is cool. At Robert underscore Woodward for uh, Rob's TikTok. I think you put a TikTok out about how you um, did some psychological evaluations. Uh, oh, yeah. Or something. So someone made a, we'll just take a brief pause from the question. Someone made a comment on one of my TikToks that said, everyone involved in the family law process should have to get a psych evaluation. And I thought, geez, when's the last time I had a psych evaluation? Sort of being funny responding to this. And uh, in law school, I did some career counseling with a psychologist. And as I say on the TikTok, happy to share with everyone, the results of that test were I could be a lawyer and keep doing what I was doing. I could be a nurse or I could be a religious minister. Those were my three options. And even though I continued on the path that I was on and maybe through COVID financially, it might've been better to be a nurse. Uh, I don't know if it would have been good for my wallet to be a religious minister, neither here nor there. Uh, we like helping folks anyway, but there you go. And yeah, check me out on TikTok. Okay. Uh, listener says, I have a few questions. And would like to hear my cha- what my chances would be in court. In court, you don't want to go to court. We're listening to this. You're not going to court. Better chances on the roulette wheel. Yeah. I don't know if I want to read any more of this. No, I will. Uh, let me give you some background information. No problem. Let's hear it. I'm in Alberta. Cool. That's where Rob is. Was separated from my husband since October 2018. He moved out at that time. Uh, we were married 10 years up to that point. So separated since 2018, 19, 20, 21, 24 years almost. Separation and a 10-year marriage. We have one child who's now nine and has autism and requires significant supervision and care. Um, so she says, we agreed verbally that he would give me a fixed amount for child care out of which I would pay my mom because she supervises my son when he's not at school. I work full time. He paid me the amount for one year and then after he just reduced it. So there's been some discussions between these folks since they separated in October 2018, which is good. Looks like dad was paying some uh, child care costs 
Uh, listener says he's seen her son only twice since he moved out, both in December 2019 and January 2020. He's made no contact since then. I only have his email address. I don't even know where he is. His earnings were 130000 a year, at least when we were together. He works in the oil patch. I learned I earned a little less than half his income at the time, but we each had defined roles in the house. We had separate bank accounts, no joint loans, only a mortgage on our house. The house is jointly owned, purchased in 2013. He stopped contributing to the mortgage when we separated. I discovered that the monies that were to be paid on the property taxes were not paid. So the city almost sold the house. Yikes. I scrambled and took on a second job to be able to clear the back taxes. I'm now current with taxes and mortgage. Uh, I added a deck to the house in 2020. That sounds nice. Uh, She says, my son and I are enjoying the deck and enjoying being outside. Questions? All right, we got a number of them. So let's roll through them somewhat quickly. Uh, can I be divorced since I don't, do not know his whereabouts? Um, well, as we know, divorced and done and this being divorced and done is step six. You have to work through all the other steps first. Step one is being separate and apart. Step two is parenting time. Step three is child support. Step four is dividing property and debt. Step five is addressing possible claims to spousal support. So let's not jump the steps. You're probably not going to get divorced quickly. Uh, you have to address all the other steps first. Question two Since I've been paying the mortgage on our house from October 2018 to now, will a court still order a 50-50 split or will I get back his portion of the monies paid? Will the court force me to sell the house? I'd prefer to remain in the house because of zoning for my son's school and his needs. Question three is somewhat tied to this. The mortgage comes up for renewal next year, but both signatures are required. Could I be given something from the courts on which the uh, bank can act in his absence? So on these questions, uh, the listener has been paying all the mortgage costs and property taxes since separation. I don't think this listener has gotten any child support from him uh, other than some what we would call Section 7 expenses, what we talked about earlier for child care costs, but no basic amount of child support. She's been paying the whole uh, cost of the house, no child support. And um, taxes, she's paid those, and the mortgage comes up next year. Rob, what do you think on this house piece? The one concern I have on the house piece, just in a vacuum, your mortgage comes up next year. And if that mortgage is in joint names, uh, you should be talking to your bank now and your ability to refinance that mortgage on your own. That doesn't mean that his name will come off title. That's something we'll still have to deal with legally through your divorce proceeding. But my biggest concern is your ability, whatever that outstanding mortgage is, whatever your income is, even though yes, you're paying the entirety of the mortgage yourself right now, that's great you're doing that. That doesn't necessarily mean that the bank would give you the outstanding mortgage yourself on a go forward basis. So you may need help from somebody else um, to help you with that piece or talk to your bank to see what options are available for you to continue staying in that home and carrying that mortgage. That's the one thing I would say in a vacuum. On all the other pieces, your children, parenting, support, uh, your chances in court. Uh, I have a fi- I had a file once, and I know, Darren, we've talked about this previously in the podcast, one of the most interesting files. Uh, it was where a pay your parent, a dad, truly did disappear. 
He didn't show up for court. He didn't attend court. There were, I want to say, upwards of 15 to 20 different court appearances where things were just adjourned, came back, adjourned, came back over a period of a year and a half. And at the end of that year and a half, because of his not showing up, she got an order against him for child support arrears on belief of his suspected income. She had what we would consider sole custody, sole decision-making and parenting time for the children that they would see dad subject to them agreeing, mom and dad agreeing that the children could see dad, but dad hadn't engaged the children. Uh, And dealing with property, she was living in the house uh, and there were no really other property issues. There was no more property to divide. So property was just sort of by default. And that was a really rare situation. In your situation, given you've paid into the house, other bits and pieces, I would imagine, even though he's been gone for some years, if he put money into that house, our real estate market is rising, even though he may not be interested in the children, he's obviously not interested in paying support, he may show up to contest he wants some chunk of money from that house. So if you do start divorce proceedings and do start to move this forward, uh, because the first thing you'll need to do in starting divorce proceedings, even though you don't know where he is, you'll need something called an order for substitutional service, which means you may be able to serve him by email. You may be able to serve him via Facebook or social media if you know where he is. And a court will require that before taking any other steps. So that service piece is Make him aware of what's going on. Make him aware of the divorce proceedings, what you're looking for. And I hope for you, he will show up some way, whether with a lawyer or not. And then you can work through the divorced and done steps and get yourself moving forward and well on your way. But if he doesn't, uh, and you are moving through a court in that rare example without him being there, the ghost, you're getting divorced from a ghost, I am mostly concerned about your mortgage and your ability to carry that going forward. So I would say talk with your bank now or your mortgage provider now about your ability to refinance that existing mortgage into your name alone. Darren Schmidt, what do you think? Yeah, I think on the house, if uh, you do get an order in default because he doesn't show up to an court appearance, um, it, you're going to need some sort of interim order to deal with the mortgage of some sort, I'm going to guess. Um, and you're also going to want to deal with, um, title to the house too. Right. But, um, overall, I think the thing you need to do is start by commencing a divorce action and trying to find him. You may not need an order for substitutional service if you hire a, what's called a skip trace and you can just find him. Lots of times people come to me and they're like, well, I really don't know where this person is. Oftentimes there's ways to find them and they will respond from a letter from a lawyer that goes to their email address. So start divorce proceedings. Uh, Think about what you want to do at the house. Uh, You note at the end of your question, we haven't got here yet. I haven't got a lawyer because I have some other expenses. I think you'd really do well to get a lawyer in Alberta um, because some of the things you're talking about here are rather complex. Like you're going to deal with retroactive child support. You're going to deal with a whole bunch of stuff. So um, go go get a lawyer. I think there'll be money well spent. And you can start a divorce proceeding in Alberta, get them served, and get the ball moving towards, we need to do something with this house between now and when the mortgage comes up for renewal at minimum, if not resolving all the other divorced and done steps that we described. So thanks for sending your question in. Keep sending them in. Thanks, everybody, for your questions. We look forward to continuing 
engaging you. Darren Schmidt, thanks for being with me. I'm Rob Woodward. This has been Divorced and Done, and we look forward to joining you again.